It's funny, when we went to uh, watch that with my son, he's 11 years old, he gets a little freaked out. Please don't, if you see him here today at church, don't say anything to him but, about it. But we went to go see it. He gets a little freaked out by stuff, so I was really like, hey, Owen, you don't need to go see this with me. I've got to go watch it. I'm going to teach off of it. But no, Daddy, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And I was like, okay. So we sit there, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden it starts. He goes, hey, i got to go to the bathroom. So he gets up and goes to the bathroom. <laughs> And this goes on for like five minutes. I'm like, wow, I think he, he's either got an issue in the bathroom or something else. So I look around the corner, and he's hanging around the corner like this, looking at the T-Rex. So I walk up, and I go, hey, I'm a little nervous. He goes, are you? He goes, yeah, maybe we should leave then. I said, yeah, let, let's go ahead and leave. I'm a little scared. And he goes, okay, Daddy, are, are you scared? And he goes, walk it out. So, we, so I had to take him home, and then it turned around, and I was that creeper, like the individual guy watching a movie with all the people, all the kids in the theater. I'm the guy over in the corner eating popcorn, watching it, taking notes. I'm surprised I didn't like the police didn't want to pull me over later. So it's good to be with you. Uh, really glad to be off the beach and uh, back home in Cincinnati. Just, just really happy about that, you know. Just, no, I'm really appreciative. Uh, Pastor Ben uh, is on vacation and resting, and we're certainly praying for him. And I just, I just had a great beach moment. I want, to, I want to tell you about it, and then we'll dive into the message today. Because I really don't have a very good message today. So I'm just going to tell you a lot of jokes, and then we'll pray and get out of here. Go eat more popcorn. Um, I, I, first day on the beach, I'm hanging out. It's this great moment. And uh, a sea turtle pops up on the beach. How cool is that? Has anybody ever had that happen? That was, that was like a cool moment. The only thing that's got a little bit weird was my, me and the kids had swam a little far out. And so I'm hanging on to the kids and I think, and Christine, my wife, gets up on the uh, edge of the beach and she goes, hey, come on in, come on in. She's really nervous. She's making me nervous because I'm thinking, you know, there's like a little man in a gray suit swimming around somewhere. So I'm hustling these kids out of the water. Eventually I push Gra- uh, Gracie down. I'm like, hey, it's, you're, on, you know, you're on your own. I got to get to the shore, you know, at this point. And I get out of the water. I'm like, honey, you know, I'm all nervous. Honey, she's like, it's a sea turtle right there. I was like, okay, babe, we got to work on some signs because if... <laughs> You come to the edge of the water and start telling people, get out of the water. We only think of one thing. And so, but it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful vacation. And had some time to think about our, our message today and this movie. I watched it a bunch of times and I'm excited about it. How many, how many people watched this movie already? Yeah, most of us did. It's, it's, the, it's the summer's biggest blockbuster ever. It's like made like 90 billion dollars or something in one day and if you're not familiar with the story it's it's set on this fictitious island and the owners and the operators want to continue to add attendance to this island so they keep adding attractions and these genetically modified dinosaurs and they keep kind of amping up the creativity and twisting the genetics to the point that they build this uh, T-Rex called Adonimus Rex, the picture of him up here in a moment, but you saw him in the theater. I probably can't see you, but you, know, you get the sense. The whole story revolves around this character coming unhinged, and perhaps the, the name of the animal should have told them enough already. It means untamable king, and in their quest for success, the owners and the operators dismiss the history. They just kind of look past the fact that Somebody else had tried this before, and it went terribly wrong. Had you, anybody seen Jurassic Park? How many people originally went to see Jurassic Park? Like, you remember, you see it, in the, you saw it in the theaters, right? How many of you don't even re- know a clue, Jurassic Park? Because you're like 20 years, that was 22 years ago. 
Steven Spielberg's kind of held off on making this movie until he could get it all set up. But the exact same thing happened in the previous movies. Now, while we might not ever go to King's Island and pay to go see a bunch of dinosaurs roaming around, here's where I think the movie does connect. Here's where I think it kind of gets out of fantasy and maybe becomes a little closer to reality. I think we're all familiar with the destructive nature of poor choices. All of us are familiar with that. I think all of us could admit that we have the power to convince ourselves of almost anything if we want it bad enough. You know me like that? They can talk themselves into anything. They can make it look fantastic. Like it's the best idea ever. They can convince a whole family. We need to go do this. We need to live. You know, we can convince ourselves of almost anything. I think also... It's pretty close, it hits pretty close to home if we think it's really easy to make a series of poor choices, and before you know it, you've built your own Jurassic World. And something has been let loose in your life, and it is damaging the people that you love and the things that you care about, and you are filled with regret. See, regret's a very common emotion, probably. All of us in this room have had moments of regret. You can look back on a season in your life. You can look back on a relationship. You can look back on some habit that you started or some habit that you ended, and you regret the choice that you made. Show of hands, just a moment of honesty. I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and share your greatest regret. Anybody familiar with regret? Anybody open it up? Yeah, look around. See, you thought it was only you. You thought it was only you that have, like, regret. Now, you might have a different regret than the person next to you, but we all know the feelings that regret brings. Because, see, regret's different. Regret says that it's not just that I wish things would have turned out differently. Regret says things could have turned out differently had I made a different choice. Why did I talk myself into that? Why did I think I could do that knowing the history? I mean, everybody, I've, I've watched so many people crash against the rocks of that kind of choice. What, why did I fool myself? Why did I fool my family? Why did I take my finances there? Why did I engage her? Why did I engage him? Why did I continue that? See, nobody wants to make a choice that creates something fierce and untamable in their life. Nobody does that. Nobody wants to, in their 20s, make a decision that impacts them in their 30s and their 40s. And yet it's happening. Just like the movie, it's happening time and time and time again. Here's the good news, though. If there's any good news, here's the good news. God doesn't want that for you either. And today, we're going to look at a series of scriptures, a set of passages that I believe God inspired through the writer Paul to help people not build a Jurassic world. So if you have your Bibles or version, or just look on the screens if you didn't bring any of those devices, we're going to look at a set of passages in the letter of Ephesians. Now let's set this up a little bit because we're going to drop in on a series of of teachings that Paul has given. 
And here's one of the common sort of criticisms I hear of the Bible. It's irrelevant. Andy, it's difficult to read. I'll say to you, you know, how do you engage Scripture on a daily basis? I don't because it doesn't make sense to me. When I read it, I'm not sure what they're saying, what they're talking about. So it's very difficult. Today is not that day. Today is not going to be a look at a Scripture that we've got to look got to back into all the language and all the nuance of the writer and try to pull up the cultural trends. We're going to read it and it's going to hit us right where we're living right now. It's going to be a little uncomfortable and that's okay. That's all right. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable, but it's a good discomfort. Here's what's going on. Paul is speaking to these new believers, and he's saying to them, okay, here's what it means to walk out your faith in your daily life. It's very, very practical. You're honest. You stop lying. Uh, You practice humility, putting other people before you. Now, nobody's doing that in this culture. Uh, the other thing you do is you, all those impulses that you kind of turned over and you just gave to, if you felt it, you did it. If it feels good, go for it. Don't do that anymore. You submit all your impulses over to the leadership of Jesus Christ. That's Paul's writing. Uh, when you have been wronged, Paul would say, forgive those that have wronged you. Just Offer forgiveness even if they're not asking for it, even if they don't deserve it. Because, see, what's happened to you is that you've been forgiven. You've been given what you didn't deserve. So now you turn around and give the same grace that's been given to you. And as you can imagine, as you hear that, you're coming up with all kinds of excuses, all kinds of context as to why that might not work, why that's not deserved, how that's difficult. All kinds of loopholes and all kinds of challenges because it's very, very challenging. So Paul, in his wisdom, and again, and I think in the leadership of God's Spirit, says, let me give you a starting point. Let me give you a next step. We use that word around here a lot. Let me give you some small steps to take. And let's let's introduce ourselves into these steps. Now, let me put a little caveat here. If you're not a Christ follower, you don't have to take these steps. You you can just step back from today and maybe just examine what we're talking about. I would challenge you that these are going to be good things to do. They're going to make life kind of work a little bit better for you. But you you can just set it aside. That's fine. And you can examine kind of the world you're building and see if this would add value to your world, your creation, or would it distract you from your goals? And if it does, set it aside. But if you're a Christ follower, this isn't optional. What we're back to talk about is a command. And so we need to lean in and with some great courage and great sort of humility, be open to the leadership of God in a fresh way today. So Ephesians chapter 5 is the context for our verse today. We're going to begin at the 15th verse. And we're just going to break it down. We're going to pause and talk through it for a little bit. This is the first verse that Paul says. The first thing, be very, what's that word? What's it say? Careful. Be very careful then how you live. In other words, in light of what I've just told you, look around. That's what the word careful means. Look around. Keep your head on a swivel and look around. Look to your left. Look to your right. What are other people doing? How are other families living? How are other marriages going? What are people doing with their children? You're watching. You're paying attention. In fact, here it continues. Be very careful then how you live. 
Then he gives these two ways to live. Not as unwise, but as wise. See, if you're not careful, if you're not mindful of how to live, you will end up being unwise. But if you're careful, if you're wise, then all that comes together. I'm wise, I'm careful. I'm unwise, I'm careless. Now, we've spoken about what wisdom is. Wisdom simply, from a biblical definition, wisdom is you encounter truth, you open up God's Word, you read it, someone teaches, you hear truth, and you go, wow, that's different than how I'm living, so then I'm going to adjust how I'm living to the truth. That's wisdom. Carelessness or being unwise is, oh, so that's what you mean. I'm not going to do that. See, I've got my excuse, I've got my context. So I'm going to adjust the truth to my lifestyle. I'm going to adjust the truth to what you're, what you're saying to how I'm living. Because, see, I can't do that. I won't do that. And Paul says, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. You're in a bad, bad place. Now, if Paul kind of had a soundtrack under, embedded into his words, like a great movie does, at first it might start kind of soft. And you're like, oh, this is pleasant. But then the music would start to change as he would add more to this. So let's, let's listen. Imagine the soundtrack changing. Being very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then here's the music. It starts to change. Making the most of every opportunity. Key change. Because the days are evil. Dun, dun, dun. What does he mean? What does he mean? Make the most of every opportunity. He's saying, listen, friend, your time is limited. Your time is limited. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You have no sense. Now, in our confidence and in our sense of history, we tend to think all I've got is time. Oh, you don't. None of us have all this kind of unlimited amounts of time. In fact, let me add to all of us in this room, you're in a unique season of life right now. Did you know that? You're in a unique season of life. If you have children, you have a unique season with them right now that you will not have in a few years. You're in a unique season in your career. You're in a unique season with your physical fitness. You're in a unique season spiritually. You're in a unique season emotionally. Right now, you feel some things that perhaps you haven't felt before or you have felt again. Here's the interesting thing about wise people is they understand the season they're in. They understand the opportunity that this right now is bringing them. And they know that the choices they're making in this season will carry over to the new season. They don't know what the new season brings, but they don't want to bring some negativity or some bad choices from one season into the next. 
And a wise person knows what to do in the season of life they're in. They know what to stop, what to put away, what to begin. And they don't squander the season that they're in. Basically, the days are evil. The potential that Paul's saying is, you have the potential and I have the potential to squander the days. You know, the kids leave and you look and you go, man, I wouldn't have done that. The career, you know, after four or five times you've gotten feedback that says, hey, you ought to not do that. You ought to not say that. You know, when, when somebody challenges you, you know how you bow up? That's a time. You're in a unique season. I can adjust and learn from that. Or you know what I can do? I can excuse it, blame them, blame my dad, blame everybody else, and bring it into the next season and in the next season and in the next season. And you know who comes with you? The people you love. And you know what happens? They see a T-Rex being built, and it's tearing them up. That's, that's what's at stake here. I mean, Paul's just elevating the game. He's saying, this is for real, guys. This is a full-contact sport. This is not fantasy. This is real. And he's saying, we've got to be mindful of what happens. Look at this. As if he just knows kind of human nature, which he does, Paul then just hammers this point. Therefore, do not be... What's this next word? What's he say? Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It's really interesting what Paul's choosing to say here. He's saying, look guys, you know what to do. Come on, you know what the right thing is. Stop making excuses and creating loopholes so that you can get out of doing the right thing. Paul's just kind of confronting my tendency and human nature to talk ourselves out of the right thing or talk ourselves into the wrong thing. Paul's just saying, let's be honest. Let's just stop. Aren't you tired of building Jurassic World's? then do the right thing. You know what you ought to do. You know? You know the excuses. She makes me happy. My wife doesn't make me happy. She makes me happy. Maybe I should pay attention to her more. I deserve it. Come on, I deserve it. That's That's a common response to things. Hey, we're doing it for the kids. We're doing this for the kids. That sounds great, doesn't it? I'm just saying what everybody else feels. You ever talk to somebody like that? I just say what everybody else feels. Really? Is that some sort of permission form? Here's another one. Religious people love to use this one. I prayed about it. God said. How do you trump God said when somebody's making a decision or they've leveled an accusation? See, our litmus test for every decision Every invitation and and, and new opportunities isn't what's easy, what's popular, what can I get away with. I mean, I might not be, I don't want to go illegal, but how close to illegal can I get before I break the law? What makes me happy in the moment? What did I do the last time? What requires the least amount of cost to me? See, there's a better question, and you ready for it? 
Here's the better question. What is the wise thing to do? In fact, I'm just going to ask everybody out loud to say that right now. And you don't need to hit the person next to you and say, you need to learn this. This is just for us. Everybody just say this out with me. What is the wise thing to do? Come on, say it aloud. What is the wise thing to do? Now, let me give you a couple filters to add clarity to understanding the wise thing. Because all of us, again, are inclined to fool ourselves into thinking this is the wise thing to do. So I want to give you a couple filters that you can add to this and it can help you figure out what the wise thing is. First, if you're taking notes, write this down. Considering my past, what is the wise thing to do? Considering my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? Here's what I mean. What happened last time you went out with them? What happened last time you said whatever you were thinking or felt? What happened last time you spent more money than you were making? See, here's the, here's the myth. This time it'll be different. You know, just somehow, magically, I can manage the outcome. And this question just brings clarity to the potential confusion and illusion that we can all buy into that says just somehow it's going to be different. This part just says, no, 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 no. You've got a past. And if you want history to stop repeating itself, then you need to invite wisdom in and act differently. What's the wise thing to do considering my past? Here's the next one. Considering my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? Again, we're right back into that season. I just got married. You just had a kid. What's the wise thing to do? You just had your second kid. You just got a new job. You just lost your job. You've got some new emotions that you're struggling with a little bit. You've got a a kid heading into college. What's the wise thing to do in light of that new information? What does your family need from you right now that they haven't maybe needed before? In light of the current circumstances you have, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past, What's the wise thing to do? And then the next is, considering my future hopes and dreams. I love this one. This is something I'm working on right now. I'm calling it the next 25. I was on vacation and I was just inviting the Lord to speak to me. And I said, God, I want 25 more great years. I want to finish hard. I want to have nothing left in the tank when I'm 75. What's that look like? I've got two children. Why'd you give them to me? What do I need to do to be the best dad I can be? I want my marriage to be stronger in 25 years than it's ever been. I want my finances to be healthier than they are right now. You see, all of us are old enough to know and experience that at some point in our life, we've traded our future for a momentary uh, window into some satisfaction. You know, all of us know the sting of 
looking at the future, but being more concerned about the moment that we're in. I love this quote from Andy Stanley. He says, personal vision is often a catalyst for a wise decision. Isn't that great? Just great. Proverbs, one of the writers of Proverbs wrote this, where there's no vision, people will cast off restraint. You know what he's saying? This is, this is, I was really shocked by the different version that I read about the same verse. Look at it on the screens here. Where there's no vision, the people will get eaten by a T-Rex. Look at that. Bam! Bam! Amazing how relevant the Bible is. It's just, it's just tragic when we lose sight of the future. You know, it's sad when someone trades in a future long-term marriage for a moment of gratification. It's heartbreaking and costly when we trade in future financial security for some immediate pleasure. It creates untold amounts of damage when we trade in relational harmony for our need to be right. So, how do we stop? God, how do I change this? Because if I'm inclined towards fooling myself, if left to my own devices, I can justify about anything. And I know lots of Bible, so I can put lots of Bible to my decisions. I can make the next 25 years all about me and make it sound like it's all about God. So how do I create space to be checked with? Let's put it all together. And let's just say this, here we go. Considering my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Let's say that whole sentence now, now that we've packaged it all together. Here we go, out loud. Considering my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hope and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? You can spend an afternoon with a cup of coffee and write down some wonderful things especially if you're facing a significant decision. And I guarantee you, this will give you a window. It will cut through your emotions. It will help you bring clarity. It will ignore what your neighbors are doing, what you think is popular. And it will say, here's the wise thing to do. That's a better question than what can I get away with? What makes me happy? What's everybody else doing? Now, let me kind of bring you into community, though. Because faith is best learned in community with some other believers who are sort of rowing in the same direction with you. Here's what I mean. Here's a next step that I'd like everybody to take. I want you to listen to Owen Grady. You're like, Andy, who's Owen Grady? Do you remember the movie? When the guy was, um, this woman, Claire, she was boasting about this T-Rex she was building? Oh, it's huge. We've genetically modified this thing, and it's terrible. And what does Owen Grady say, the dinosaur trainer? Do you remember what he says? That's probably not a good decision. That's not a good idea. Can you imagine if Claire would have said, what do you mean? Tell me more. He would say, well, hey, here's, here's what I know. Here's what life's kind of told me. That dinosaurs are really dangerous. They're not toys. They're not pets. 
and your ambition seems like it's driving you to a reckless choice. Can you imagine if Claire would have said, okay, all right, let's stop. Let's investigate what he's saying. Let's, let's bring his opinion into this and figure it out. Instead of, oh, come on, you're, you don't have enough faith. Hey, stop, t- I unfriend you. I'm going to do what I need to do because I need to be happy. And meanwhile, all hell's breaking loose. See, I just think about my regrets. Perhaps you think about yours right now. Could they have turned out differently had you had somebody in your life speaking to you? Or you did and you would have listened? Think Think it could have turned out differently? That's the power of mutual submission that Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 5. I know we hate that word, submission. Let me tell you, that's a life-giving idea if you embrace it. Is opening yourself up to someone else and saying, you, my friend, have access to me. And you can speak into my life. I trust you. I submit to you. And if you are cautious because you know my past, You know my current circumstances. You know my future dreams. What do you think the wise thing is to do? I don't know. I don't think that's the wise thing to do. Or I think it is. Run after it. That's why I love small groups. And I want to just kind of give you a little commercial as we set up for the fall. I'd love for everybody in this room to lean in, create space and time to connect into a group. Because I think that's the best environment to find in Owen Grady. Find somebody who wants the best in you. And then we're looking for leaders, people who want to get serious and move past Bible trivia and start helping connect the story of the gospel of God to the everyday life. So if you're interested in that, I want to talk to you. And we'll talk about that just in a moment. See, the God who loves us and desires that we live deeply and and draw out a rich, satisfying life that has a legacy of people saying, I am so grateful for them. The way they live their life. The way they thought. The way they were mindful of the seasons. My mom, my dad was one of the wisest people I know. Man, she, I want to be like her. She was so wise. Not, hey, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I don't want to be like mom and dad. That is, I don't want to create that animal and terrorize my family. I don't like how they manage their emotions. I don't, I don't like what they did with their money. I don't like what they did with their time. I don't like how they drank that much. Or I don't like how they, you know, how they used their words. Don't you want to break free from that? It's time for the cycle to stop, guys. And today could be that day. Today could be that day. You could leave here today and say, it's over. I am not building a sequel to the generational patterns in my family. They're done. 
Or you can continue to live out a movie that has all the chaos and all the drama, and we love to go see them, but none of us want to live in them. None of us want to star in a movie like that. With that in mind, I want you to pray about these things. Let's just bow our heads. Let's pray. Don't look around. Just kind of hang in here for a minute. I want to want to spend a few moments here. I feel like this is a big day for us today. And perhaps you're um, saying, you know, Andy, as I reflect on your message and my life right now, here's here's the reality. I'm facing some big decisions. You know, I've got some choices to make and I just could use wisdom. James, the writer James, tells us if you ask for wisdom, God gives it generously without finding fault. So he is not going to find fault on you. He's not going to go examine your past. He's going to simply start to download to you wisdom. If you need wisdom today, with your career, with your family, with the choice that you're making, I'm just going to invite you to do me a favor. Would you just slip your hand up and just say, I want to know how to pray for you today. Yep. God bless you. Anybody else? All right, hands are going up. Father, I'm praying for those that need wisdom today. Those that are raising their hands saying, there's a choice that I've got to make, and I need God to give me some wisdom about what to do. There's another group here. This group of people would say, Andy, I've got some regret to some of the choices I've made. I'm living with some conviction today, some heaviness. This was, this was kind of a difficult message for me to hear, and I don't want to leave here carrying the same amount of regret I carried into this room. I've got some embarrassment, some shame with that, some loss. I look at some seasons and I think I missed them, and I'm asking God to redeem this, to come in and not build on the brokenness, but to repair the places that have been long devastated. If you need that prayer today, would you slip your hand up? I'd love to pray for you. Yep. God bless you guys. That's courageous. Father, I'm praying for my friends. Just keep your hand up for a moment. I'm praying for my friends. Or if you didn't put your hand up and you want to do it now, I'm praying for my hands, friends who have their hands up as this declaration of saying, God, redeem the days. God, with your help, intervene. God, I'm, I'm humbling myself now and saying, I'm not pleased with my life to this point in some areas. There's a lot of regret. I'm inviting you into that, you to heal it, you to, you to restore it, you to change it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, in a big way on them. Release from them this heaviness. The other group, as you consider your past, as you think through the lens of your current circumstances and your future dreams, you'd say, I want God right at the center of my life. I, today, I'm, I'm saying, Jesus, come in and lead my life. Forgive me. And come and be a, my Savior, my leader, my God. Not just, I don't want to be just religious. I want to be in personal relationship with you. If you're making that decision, pray this prayer with me. And let's not, let's not have them pray it alone. Let's as a community pray this prayer to, today. Father, I'm praying right now for forgiveness. So just say this, Jesus, forgive me. Come on, everybody say this with me. Jesus, forgive me. Move in my life in a new way. Be the forgiver and the leader of my life. I choose you. 
Today, I give my life to you. I receive your son as my savior. If you made that decision today, I'd like you to take out your connect card. Lisa and Matthew talked about next steps. There's a great next step there I'd like you to identify. It's step A. Would you just check that box if today you made a decision for Jesus Christ for the first time? We'd love to follow up with you and talk about that decision with you. The next is step B, which is I'd like to be baptized. Next month, we're going to have baptisms. This is a huge decision. You don't need to be somebody to be baptized. You know, you don't have to get it right. You're just saying, I'm a Christ follower, and I want to follow in the steps of Jesus, which was he was baptized, then he turns around, he teaches people. He says, go be baptized. I want to identify with the things that Jesus taught and did. If you haven't been water baptized, we'd love to do that with you next month. Sign up for baptisms. The next step, step C is, I'm going to ask this question, Andy, this week. What is the wise thing to do? Trust me, my friends, that's a courageous question. And God will show you. God will show you. So you're going to make that a rhythm of your investigations this week. Step D, I'm interested, Andy, in that small group leadership that you spoke about. Check that box if you'd like to hear more about that. We'd like to talk to you about that. We're excited about the vision that we're seeing in small groups and the opportunity that we have. If you'd like to be a part of the small group leadership, I'd like to talk with you. So check that box. Then step E, and the last step is this. I'm going to memorize this verse that we studied today. I'll write it down on a 3 by 5 card. I'll stick it on a post-it note in my car. But this is going to become a, a guidepost for me as I make decisions this week, as I think through things. Check that step E if you're, you'd like to do that. Hold on to your card. We'll take that up here in a moment with the offering. Let's stand now. Will's going to lead us in a closing song. We're going to sing. We're going to celebrate what God's done. Father, we're grateful for all that you did today, all that you're doing. I pray over this week and the days ahead that we would be truly wise people. In Jesus' name.